Different Sports. It is your sports by the hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock. Episode 50 of Milestone. No cute uh, clip there in the opener because we weren't here last week. There's a few things going on. I was a little preoccupied with the work stuff and all some other stuff too. Made it a little crazier. <laughs> but uh, I'll be honest, full disclosure, it was in the 70s as well last week in Michigan, which is pretty rare. And I was selfish and went, I want to golf. So I went golfing and I enjoyed it thoroughly. But we are back. We're back for business here. When I come back strong, I'm going to start with week 11 CFB DFS day slate or release what's left of it and then get in some NFL talk with our celebrity guest picker, the doctor. So let's waste no time. Here it is. Okay, welcome in one and all. Hope everyone is doing well out there in these uh, strange times. It is a 10-game board now for four postponements or just straight cancellations in college football this week. And let's just start right in. Miami at Virginia Tech. Miami's minus two and a half. Over under of 67 and a half. And definitely a game going to draw a lot of interest from the community. I think the first note I have is Brevin Jordan's status and what the impact will be on wide receiver Mike Harley if he is back. And my opinion would be that it would somewhat tamp down the ceiling on Harley. He's been really productive um, in picking up the slack in that offense for Derek King. So Brevin Jordan's back. I, I think he makes sense at, at a pretty decent price. Around. I think it's 5 k and I would maybe um, you know, tread lightly with Hartley a little bit and, and don't maybe expect what he's been doing lately so much. Cameron Harris, running back, I think in a great spot for the Hurricanes. Great price. Due for a good production. Hasn't found the end zone in a couple games. Uh, but I think anyone who's getting like 15 touches in a script like this, I think has a lot of upside in a game that should be pretty high scoring in that back and forth shootout that we all uh, love in for DFS purposes. And then... Um, just the last thing for Miami, yeah, De'Eric King is good. So there you go. I mean, he's, he's, priced the, he's priced a certain way for a reason. So on the other side, uh, also status of Khalil Herbert, running back for Virginia Tech. Well, from what I'm reading, he looks to be more doubtful. And for that reason, I kind of love Raheem Blackshear as a paydown candidate at running back. He had 63 total yards on 14 touches last week. Um, and I just think, again, great matchup. For anyone getting that amount of touches in a game like this, where there isn't going to be a lot of defense played, as there usually is an ACC team. So um, I think he just makes a ton of sense here. And I think um, I might find a way to get him and Hendon Hooker, Derek King, in a lot of lineups. At the wide receiver position, Trey Turner also... Solid value play at wide receiver at 4,500 for the Hokies. He's really the only person uh, I'm really interested in the offense besides Blackshear. They just don't do enough. And it's really a Hendon Hooker show for the most part, especially with Khalil Herbert being out. Um, he's coming off a, a huge week. So, uh, yeah, he's good, which is why he's priced the way he is. He's basically like a RB1 with passing stats. Let's get out of this game then and move to Wake Forest at UNC. UNC is minus 13 and a half over under 66. For Wake, running back Christian Beale Smith has been back for about three weeks now. And, um, you know, it's kind of what's the impact on Kenneth Walker's ceiling. Walker's still getting all the touchdowns, but I don't know how much that has to do with um, kind of randomness or goal line situations as he's just much better. Because the split right now is really close to 50-50. And I think for me, I've talked about this before, but I just... It's like, is the frustration worth the price with Walker? I feel like if I pay for him, I'm just going to be looking up and I'm going to see Beal Smith rolling the ends on for two touchdowns. You're just like, what did I just do? Why did I put myself through this? So I'm going to just kind of avoid it uh, for my purposes. 
Other than that, uh, wide receiver Jakari Roberson solidifying himself in the role as kind of a de facto wide receiver one for Wake. The last three weeks, a stat line of 20 catches, 302 yards, and one touchdown. In total, the last three weeks, a price at 4900 Again, a nice target to pay down at for wide receivers on the board. And then QB Sam Hartman, 5500 well, he averaged 15 points roughly the last three weeks in DK, so I think that's not bad for that price, so just understand that I still think the ceiling's kind of just kind of low on him. Um, so I, I think if you're just looking to pay down just for purely price standpoint, yeah, if you can get 15 points, I guess that's okay, but I'm probably going to... There's other places I think I'd rather go, and we'll, let's talk about them. So on the UNC side, we all know UNC by now, and that's going to be a theme with some of these teams this week that I'm going to talk about that we're just kind of, it is what it is at this point. Um, with them, I think the other note is the status of Bo Corrales and what that impact would be on other receivers like Deami Brown, Daz Newsome. Um, and then with the running backs, you know, I, I put, is Javante Williams worth it? That was kind of what I wrote down here. And I think my answer is yes. I mean, he he's gotten, it appears to be, what I thought a few weeks ago was he's gotten so many more touchdowns, and maybe that's just flukish. It's either that, the other side of it, is maybe he's just gotten a lot better as a player. And now I'm starting to think that maybe that's it because it's not stopping. Um, he has a crazy touchdown number right now, and it's almost like he has this like Najee Harris week-to-week -week upside with his touchdown scoring. He's also gotten better as a receiver. Uh, I noted earlier on in the season that I liked Carter more just because they're probably going to touch the ball it's gonna be like a 50-50 split, and I kind of like the guy who's usually been the better receiver, which was Carter, and still might be a, a tad bit, but Williams has picked it up in that department a lot. So he's just kind of flourishing, becoming a really great college football player before our eyes this season. And I don't know exactly why that would stop. It just, if it's happening this much consistently, um, yeah. Uh, and so I, I think he he's worth it. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to play him. I think there's guys like maybe a Cameron Harris that, you know, at the price of like 5,900, that if I believe that I can get 75, 80% of what Javante Williams' output might be, and there's a there's a decent chance of that, usually I'm gonna flip toward the guy that's around 5,900 and try to balance my lineup a little bit out more with um, guys around like 7-ish K, because it's a, it's a steep price. I think it's 9,500 this week, so that's like a, it's like a Najee Harris Bama type price. So um, I think he can be worth it. I just don't know that I'm necessarily going to play him and try to fill it with more bounce lineup. We, we shall see. Have not decided yet. Um, let's move on to the next game. Then that's kind of all I had to say there. It is Middle Tennessee State at Marshall. A couple teams we usually don't see um, in the contest. So much this year. I think I've only had Marshall in one, and it was really early on. But anyway, so we have a 40 to 17-ish Vegas projection, and that typically leads me to be out on the Blue Raiders, or am I? One guy that I'm strongly considering as a building block type piece is Jaron Pierce at wide receiver for the Blue Raiders. I think he makes sense here. He's kind of their clear wide receiver one, uh, very strong lead in catches on the team. He operates as that slot go-to guy, picking up a lot of third downs, and that's something where there probably should be plenty of third downs in this game, and a great script for passing um, for the Middle Tennessee State, or Middle Tennessee Red Blue Raiders, is it State? Yeah, I think it is State. Blue Raiders, okay, whatever. Um, so anyway, I'm considering him, that's it on this team, so let's just flip over to Marshall. And basically outside of running back Brendan Knox, I'm kind of out on Marshall as well. It's a nice matchup for quarterback Grant Wells, but his price is ridiculous. It should not be up that high. And I'm not going to pretend like I, that I have any strong opinion on the wide receivers or tight ends. The team lead for catches on the team right now is around like 18 or 19 by their tight end. And I, they just kind of spread the ball around. No one really uh, consistently week to week stands out. So... Um, even though it's a good match and everything, I just there's not enough for me there to identify. Okay, where's where's the go-to guy then? Because and, and, there's there are some prices, and I'm sure some guy will outperform his price, but I would rather take a guess elsewhere, and that's what I'm going to do. So let's move on to Notre Dame at BC. 
Notre Dame is minus 13 and a half and over under of 50. Also out on BC. Again, there's just better games slash teams to target that I like on this slate. Um, so let's just move on to Notre Dame, which we know Kyron Williams is good. Yes, uh, play him as, as much as you can. Nice matchup here. I'm also strongly considering uh, Javon McKinley as, as a building block type piece at 4,200. Um, as long as he's healthy and playing, I think he he's capable of bigger games. And I think with guys like that, I think they're because of their ceilings they've proven in the past to have in, in certain spots. I almost think they're kind of undervalued week to week, and they should be probably closer around 5K because you know they have that capability of having a, a crazy week. Like a guy we'll talk about later, Des Fitzpatrick for Louisville, who blew up I think two weeks ago or last week with a crazy game. And as long as you guys have those ceilings, I just feel like. Uh, you probably should be closer to 5K because you know what they're capable of. Um, anyway, I just think he's a really great price, floor, ceiling candidate at wide receiver and nothing else. So on to the small 10. It is Penn State at Nebraska. Penn State is minus 3.5 over under 56. We know that Jahan Dotson, clear star um, at wide receiver, for Penn State, but I think the value is with the tight end Pat Fryermuth at 4,600 and wide receiver Parker Washington at 4,400. Washington is averaging in the first three games uh, about 15.8 DK points. I think he scored uh, three touchdowns as well. There was one where he had two, then zero, and then one, but still, um, he's been a really fit well in that kind of wide receiver two role for them. Fryermuth at the tight end position going back to the last season has proved time and time again he's capable of high ceilings and he's potentially um potentially a top tight end draft prospect um in college or at least one of them he's just huge guy 6'5 258 and uh, a big target for sean clifford speaking of quarterback sean clifford i am out on penn state running backs because they had so many opt-outs and injuries at that position and clifford really operates as a de facto running back one. They do a lot of RPO stuff, and he likes to call his number. So I think he might lead the team in carries actually right now. And there's just been nothing consistent out of that position. So uh, I'm out on the RBs there. On the Nebraska side, besides Adrian Martinez at quarterback and kind of their slash running back slash wide receiver, Wandale Robinson, not interested in the Cornhuskers. Um, they're just, again, I think they only had a couple games, and there's nothing really consistent there and going back to the last season i was always impressed when i watched uh wandale robinson they use him a lot of different ways and he's really talented and i think has a lot of big playability so i think at 5k uh, he makes sense for those reasons but uh that's all i got for that game let's move on to the trojans of usc at arizona usc's minus 14 over under 67 and a half now the Trojan offense is something I want to be involved with uh, in, in numerous capacity this week. I talked a lot about Keaton Slovis uh, last year, and I just I really like his ability um, as a downfield thrower. He has a really nice deep ball, and he has a lot of good, talented players to throw it to. And that's the other key. Uh, guys like Drake London, who kind of popped up last year. He's already in the first game. I think he had like eight for 125 and one or two touches. And then uh, Tyler Vaughns and Ramon uh, St. Brown also have proven, going back to last year, that they are capable of wide receiver one type crazy ceilings uh, week to week. And that's just kind of one of those things where it's hard to know where it's going to come from week to week, but you know that every one of them is capable of huge games. So um, this is going to be a game I think I, I target in a way where I'm going to try to get all the double ups I can. You know, I'm probably going to get five to six offensive touchdowns, probably four at the minimum, but I think five to six potential upside touchdowns. And um, I think having that, you know, Slovis to Vaughn, Slovis to Brown, St. Brown, uh, and Drake line, I'm going to try to target those. And also at running back, they play three, and I think this is going to take a while to work out. Maybe it will never work out, and they'll always settle on three. Um, and I kind of split the carries, and we'll see. I The guy I like the most, though, is Marquise yeah, Marquis Step. Sorry, I was going to say someone else. The wrong name. Ugh. Um, but last year, when he got an opportunity, he really stepped up until he got hurt, of course. They had so many injuries in that position last year. But anyway, he led the backfield with 16 touches last week. Again, I think similar to like a Blackshear for Virginia Tech. 
if you're getting somewhere like 15, 16 touches in a game like this, in a matchup with a soft Arizona team, I, I think that has potential for really great value. And he's the cheapest of the running backs. I think he's at 4,400. So um, I think that's a little of a mispriced there by DK. And I, I want to have um, I want to have any running back in a game like this on USC getting that kind of volume. So a marquee step is someone I'm probably going to target to help the price and the cap and all that stuff. And I think in general, if you want to pay down at that position, he also makes sense. So that said, on the Arizona side, it's the first game for Zona. Based on last season, the value will likely come from running back Gary Brightwell and wide receivers Jamari Joyner and Brian Castile. But I think I'm going to kind of wait and see on this uh, for this week in general because the Khalil Tate era is kind of gone now and the offense could completely change based on the skill sets of their new quarterback. I think it's Gunner something. Either way. Bottom line is they're not Khalil Tate and they might have to tailor the offense differently to what they can do as a player. So um, I don't know how it's going to work out. It's not something I really want to invest in this week. It's going to be a wait and see. So let's move on to... Uh, again, like I was saying earlier, pretty straightforward on some of these games. Now, we've seen probably maybe six to seven games from some of these teams, and we know the key players on each side, and the prices are kind of pretty fair at this point. They're kind of dug in, and I think they're where they should be. So it doesn't mean they can't work in return value. I just think it's – it's we know the story here, and it's Louisville at Virginia. Virginia's minus 3.5, over on our 66.5. We know for Louisville, it's quarterback Malik Cunningham, Javian Hawkins. They're up around 8K, rightfully so. And then uh, 2-2 at 6,500, I actually think is a little bit uh, below where he should be. I think he should be probably more around 7K based on the ceiling he's proven to have uh, in, in the past. The guy I mentioned before, Des Fitzpatrick, also capable of popping at wide, is the wide receiver two role for Louisville. Um, he's at like 4,400. So... I think if you're shopping in that range at receiver, he makes a lot of sense in a game that should be pretty high scoring. On the Virginia side, QB Brennan Armstrong. Great pay down option at this position. Um, he's kind of operates as a de facto RB1 as well. I think he leads their team in carries, rushing yards, and rushing touchdowns. And he has those passing stats upside. I think he's around 6,500. So if you're looking to cut at that position, I think he makes a lot of sense. And it also mentioning that I'm out on running backs for Virginia pretty much going forward as long as Armstrong is in there because the way they run their offense, um, he's just has so much influence over everything and gets all the most of the running game. So um, I'm not going to pay for any Virginia running back. On the wide receiver position, though, it's Billy Kemp, the fourth CB4. Sorry, CK4. <laughs> BK4. <laughs> I should probably edit that out. I think I had in parentheses, so I saw the C. And uh, anyway, you don't care. Uh, so <laughs> Billy Kemp the fourth and uh, Terrell Janna, only playable options here outside of Brennan Armstrong for me. And I think they have pretty decent prices. Not uh, not not going to break your bank. So let's just get out of this game before I make another stupid um, uh, you know error with my speech. And it's TCU at West Virginia. West Virginia is minus three over under 45 and a half. So similar take as last game. Seen enough of these squads by now. We just kind of know what the deal is. On the TCU side, it's Duggan, Max Duggan, the quarterback, and Tay Barber, receiver, or bust. Everyone else in this offense, whether they're a running back, a receiver, or tight end, everything is so TD dependent. There's no consistent volume at all still, and uh, not going to pay for it. So you know my thoughts on TCU at this point. On the other side with West Virginia, I think I'm going to be out on the Mountaineers altogether. Um, I know Letty Brown, I like him a lot as a player, and I think he can return value even at a, a stiff price like that. But again, this is a spot where really low on over-under. It makes me kind of a little nervous about getting someone like Brown for, uh, you know, 8K. So probably just going to bypass them altogether. Again, no week-to-week -week consistency in the wide receiver uh, production. And QB play is a little shaky. So let's just get me out of here. Speaking of disgusting QB play, it's Indiana at Michigan State in Rocky Lombardi. So Indiana minus 7, over under 52. 
Um, I probably said this a couple weeks ago, but I love Michael Penix Jr., a quarterback for Indiana. Um, really fun, young, talented guy to watch play that position. Uh, very stackable offense with Indiana in my mind with like a, a WAP failure. I've talked about him so much in the past. Um, and he's just another really fun player to watch. Super athletic. And the way they use him, I mean, he really is... I don't want to say he has like the Elijah Moore ceilings, but he has... It wouldn't surprise me if he flirts with double-digit catches on a week-to-week basis. Uh, just because the way they use him, it's all these screens. It's just give him the ball in space. He's a big yak guy. And, um, yeah, he's fun to watch. And he's got a name, Wap Fillior, named after uh, Sorry About Burger King. He wanted a Whopper when he was a kid, and so they just started calling him Wap. I don't know. That's a true story. Google it. Uh, and then, yeah, Stevie Scott, running back. Love him. I think this is a great spot for him. MSU's just not a good team, so I think, you know, getting all three of these guys in a lineup, I think, is is a savvy play, similar to USC. You go Slovis, Marquis Stepp, and a Drake London, or a Monroe St. Brown. I do like doing that um, each week, finding those kind of more affordable stacks, or just just trying to hoard all the touchdowns in the, in the spots where I think there's going to be a lot of them. So, um, Indiana, I like them, a lot to like about them. Also wanted to mention... I think there's really good value at Miles Marshall, um, the sophomore receiver. He was a big recruit for them. Big kid, 6'4", 200 pounds, really athletic, big end zone target. I think he scored either last week or in their first game. He has a role. I mean, he has that like three, four catch, 40-yard role. And I think he has pretty good upside because of his uh, his just touchdown ability, big red zone target. So um, he's at 3,800. I think he makes a lot of sense if you're looking to pay down for a cheap receiver. And then um, on the Michigan State side, look, it's just besides Jalen Naylor and Jaden Reed, it's just out. Uh, it's pretty much going to be that way probably for me for the rest of the season if a season actually continues because, um, look, Michigan State is just not good. Rocky Lombardi just isn't good. And I think it's just going to be kind of a lost year, and they're probably going to have to experiment with a few different quarterbacks because there is no way they should be going to the next season with him as their starter. So, um I don't think I'm, I'm not sure a Mac team he should be starting for, but okay, that's it. I've said enough on Michigan State. Whatever, they suck. And then, uh, all right, I think that brings us to the last game. Is that true? I guess there was only 10. Yeah, all right. Baylor, Texas Tech. The It is a, right now, is it a pick? Over under is 57. So, I, my opinion about both these teams is kind of the same. Um, and I'll tell you what it is. It just, it's been a really weird season for Baylor. Um, they have a bunch of opt-outs, a bunch of guys, I think, who have been, even if they're playing, they've had COVID issues where guys have been sitting out a lot. There's been other injuries as well. And it just led to just no consistency, whatever. And so, well, I, I I like the matchup a little bit. I believe there are talented players I've talked about in the past. Like, um, you know, have they have good prices. Looking at you, Tyquan Thornton, I've talked about him a ton. And, it hasn't turned out to go well, but I still believe there's talent here, and they have ability to have nice ceilings and outperform their price. But I would just prefer to spend it elsewhere because it just isn't happening, and I don't want to like wait around for it or speculate on it anymore. And it's it's getting just to the point where maybe this just is it is what it is for this year. And so I might consider Brewer from paying down at quarterback, but I don't know. I think there's better options. So I'm gonna go down to Texas Tech, and it's kind of the same exact take with Texas Tech. They had a QB switch a few weeks ago. Zero consistency the last few weeks at the running back position and receivers. Sir Roderick Thompson used to be like this bell cow, workhorse role. He was playing really well. Had a, had a lot of really highly productive games earlier in the season, but since the switch, both those you know running back, wide receiver, tight end, it's, it's all over the place. It's a mess, and it's just not a situation I want to invest my precious CFB DFS dollars in. I'll look elsewhere. So that is it. I did it. You did it. We did it. And uh, thank you for listening. And if you are so inclined, stick with it right now for the NFL pick segment. I think you'll enjoy it. It starts right now. Okay, it is week 10 in the NFL. 
um, off last week for a variety of reasons, mostly because I was uh, selfish and I wanted golf. But um, I'm here with the doctor as always. Doctor, how you doing? Doing well, Bob. Um, yeah, I took last week off, and uh, so it's been two weeks since we last spoke, and my, how the world has changed. It's <laughs> So many things have happened. We have a, yeah. a new president-elect. Uh, COVID appears to be back, unfortunately. Um, I don't know what you're talking the, about. What's happened? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, the Wolverines, although it's only week four <laughs> for the Big Ten, have found their usual November spot of irrelevancy in any any meaningful race. <laughs> so that happened. Uh, and Tiger's back in Augusta. Let's, let's go. Yeah, there's, going a bright, on. there's a bright spot. We got we got a Masters as well this week. That's that's been a nice little uh, just distraction, we'll say. And um, speaking of distractions, if I miss anything you say during this, it's because I am watching the Masters as we as we talk right now. So yeah, you can, you can yeah. ignore me. That's fine. Yeah, yeah I usually do. Try to be respectful <laughs> about it today. I just won't. Uh, look, let's let's talk records. The last couple weeks. Um. <sighs> I continue to kind of, you know, be a loser. Um, four and four and six. You know, nothing's terrible, but you still would like to be uh, 500 or better, obviously. So four and six last two weeks. I'm at 18.25 and two. Uh, doctor, I got you three and seven the last couple. Of That's weeks. correct. Yeah. And you're at 500 on the year now. 22, 22 and one. So you know it. Look, I, maybe I took last week off. It was good just to get a you know breather, just recalibrate, um, and, and recharge the batteries for week ten here. How do you feel? How's the board look? <laughs> well, I think last time we spoke, I said the board had never looked clearer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 which I remember did, that. Which didn't happen. Uh, I, you know, uh, I'd say it looked like a, just an, another week, another board for the week. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Need to bounce back. Five hundred isn't good enough. No, it is. We, we need it. We'll improve here. Uh, ATS trends in the NFL through week nine. I think this will be interesting a little bit. Favorites versus dogs. Um, the favorites are now in the season 53, 72, and 3. The last two weeks, dogs themselves, 27 and 14 record. Um, that trend, I mean, do we just do we just every week just come out and say, uh, hey, guys, bet the board every week and just bet all the dogs and you'll win money. I mean, last two years so um Get in there yeah so uh home versus road 61 69 and two uh for the home teams losing their home favorites are 33 48 and one another trend that is just uh again we talk about home field advantage what is it this year i don't know but uh they're losers home dogs 26 22 substantial favorites we consider to be of seven or greater are 20 21 and two outright losers and those substantial favorites. There's only five on the season. There's been zero the last three weeks. Maybe setting something up for something we do here this week. Who knows? Um, this week, we have 14 games as of right now. There are nine home favorites, five road dogs, and there are four substantial favorites with the Pack, the Saints, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of teasers out there, Doctor. What do you think? There is plenty of teaser opportunities, and I will be talking about three of those uh, big spreads <laughs> you just mentioned. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to just give my first pick here really quick because I feel like I've been talking about both of these teams quite a bit this season and have been kind of uh, pretty strong convictions about both of them. They're, they're different, made up differently, but um, – it's the Seahawks and the Rams. The Rams are at home minus one and a half. And I've been high on the Rams, like as I've said, and I've been kind of just, I respect Russell Wilson, but I think the team around him is, is just really bad. Defensively, they're they're very bad, and I think it's just going to catch up with them uh, at different times during the season. Obviously, he's good enough to win a bunch of games by himself. So, look, I'm just taking the Rams minus one and a half, sticking with my opinions throughout the season. And uh, I just need Russell Wilson not to be an alien. He can be good. Just don't be crazy good like you can, can be. Uh, and also, I think if I look this up correctly, I think this was one where the public is hammering Seattle like an 80-ish, 20%. So um, that's my first pick. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think you're spot on with that Seattle team. Uh, did you see that ball that Russ threw last week that was like uh, 
I don't know, 65 yards to a standing still. I don't think it was Lockett or Metcalf. I can't remember who it was. Was it David Moore? David yeah, Moore. David Moore. That's right. Yeah. And he just, I mean, it was just a, a just a airmail for 65. <laughs> it was it was it was pretty impressive. He does crazy things like that. But uh, yeah, I think I think you're uh, right about that assessment. I don't know what's going to happen this week, but I think uh, I think that Seattle team is just too dependent on Russ uh, to do everything. So. We'll see. Uh, all right. So I'll, I'll jump into mine. Um, you know, look, we haven't spoken in two weeks. Uh, you already mentioned the record wasn't good. So I need to start with the hand up moment. Uh, <laughs> last time we spoke, I said uh, the Raiders would be on the decline. We'd be asking ourselves how they ever beat the Chiefs. And uh, I was wrong. So hand up. <laughs> uh, since that comment... <laughs> The Raiders have beaten the Browns and the Chargers both on the road. Uh, they have Denver coming into Vegas this weekend. Uh, Vegas laying four and a half. So um, if you can't tell where I'm going. I'm, I'm going with the Raiders on this one. Uh, you know, in the last two games, Carr certainly hasn't been special statistically. Uh, one of them was kind of a win game, but uh, no interceptions. Yeah. Taking care of the ball. Uh, they had over 200 rushing yards against the Browns, over 150 um, last week against the Chargers. Defense is great against the Browns. They made enough plays to win win last week. So I think the Raiders are starting to come together to be competent on on defense. And you know, meanwhile, the Broncos have entered their last two fourth quarters down down fourteen points. Um, yeah. Uh, they, yeah, they've been you know lucky to kind of come back into some of those games and make it exciting to watch and, and you know get them to talk about. But I I see them uh, you know struggling again this this week and the Raiders getting out top early and not giving up that lead um you know just a couple quick stats about denver they are uh third in the league with 16 turnovers so i know the raiders don't necessarily force turnovers very well but the broncos just kind of do it for you uh and they're 29th in the league on third down conversions and only 37 percent. so I, I i think you know they'll get behind early and they'll let the pass and do all that stuff and they're going to turn the ball over and the raiders are going to cover the four and a half yeah i uh I like everything you said there. I was kind of some of these games too. I, I have to say, this board kind of bothered me a little bit. That I couldn't kind of come to an agreement on some of these, and I kept going back and forth. And that was kind of one where I was like, stay away. But I would probably go Raiders if I had to make a pick. And that game two weeks ago, they did beat the Browns, but I almost kind of for both teams kind of throw it out the window. It was just a weird. All the weather's all crazy. Like I don't know. It's just one of those games. But okay, okay, the Raiders. Big John Gruden fan. Raiders. Yeah, that's your team. Your team from last year. Yes, it was my team. That's correct. I, <laughs> I forgot about that. That's How do you forget one. that? You were talking about like 10 straight weeks and like getting seven I, wins. I know. I know. Well, well, it worked out, didn't it? Didn't they get, yeah, I, yeah I, think, I think they got to. I think we said at six and a half. I think they got to seven, if I remember correctly. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm so such a genius. All right. Speaking of genius, um, one man has a reputation in New England for being that. Is Bill Belichick. And... Okay. I want to talk about Lamar Jackson for a second, and um, it, it's it's about the book. You're familiar with the book? What happens in the NFL when the book is out? You know what that means? Yeah, the the blueprint. The <laughs> book is up on it. That that yeah. Yes, the coach has got the book. And did you hear his comments publicly at all this this week? I have not. Uh, so he anyway, I don't remember the exact quote, but he made some comments along the lines of that the other opposing teams kind of know what we're doing and we're not adjusting. So. Not exactly a uh, very supportive to the coaches, I would say. I don't know if it was exactly a shot, but people are kind of taking it that way a little bit. And it is kind of a interesting comment. And I want to talk about him just not really improving and almost arguably declining as a quarterback and mostly as a passer. And that was the issue to begin with last year, and it's just not getting better. So a couple stats here. Completion percentage, yards per attempt, QB rating all down. QB rating is down 18 points. A couple more that I think are the most troubling that I think you can tell me. From 2019 to 2020, he had how many interceptions he had in in 2019? He had six. How many think he has this year? Uh, He probably already has seven. He's got four, but still, we're only only played eight games. Listen to this one. Oh, boy. Watch out. Sacked 23 times in all of 2019. How many sacks do you think he has right now? Oh, I don't know, 15? 21. 
Oh, wow. Okay. That's big. That is big. That is big. So that's a – look, I I just think there's something here where there are other teams that are kind of figuring out how to play them. I still think they'll probably win this game because the Patriots just aren't very good. But uh, I think it's going to be a tough one. And uh, I'm taking the Patriots and Belichick plus seven points. He revels in these situations. He was also getting shit talked to him about this week about how his draft class has been underperforming. He he's in a good spot here. This is what he loves. So um, yeah. Uh, so this is this is on my board too. Uh, you know, one thing about the excuse for Lamar that people are giving him. Oh, an excuse, but they'll say you know, he doesn't have a real you know, wide receiver number one. He needs a wide receiver number one to, to really to really be great, and he doesn't have that. that. That's what they say. So that's some of the argument for why he can't progress in the passing game because he doesn't doesn't have it, right or wrong. Either way, uh, I'm with you on the Patriots here. Um, this was actually kind of my opposite special. You hinted at it a little bit too. Um, you know, the public is on Baltimore at something like 73. percent So so right away, I want to I want to go with the Patriots. But the Belichick stuff also plays in. Like they got to be treating this. You know, almost like in the Super Bowl in a way, or a playoff game. Like if they go down here, I'm not saying they're going to win, but they're going to play like they have to win because uh, you play to win the game. But uh, <laughs> you know, this is a big moment for them. And, and like you said, he's going to come up with something. They're they're going to be ultra competitive in this game. And, and more on the opposite side of this, like why I'm going opposite. Lamar, since taking over in 2018, is 11-3-1 against the spread in Rome games. We also know the Ravens hammer bad teams, which I'm right now and putting mm-hmm. New England in that category. They're 10 and 0 straight up and 7 and 3 against the spread when favored by six or more points. New England, as you mentioned, hasn't been good this year. I mean, they're complete kidding. They almost lost the Jets last week. They gave up three TDs to your boy Flacco. And speaking of sacks, <laughs> the man you like to call a statue, New England got him <laughs> one time. One time is all. And so New England's 0-3 as an underdog this season and 1-2 against the spread as an underdog. So there's just there's a lot going on in favor of Baltimore. And, you know, for those reasons and for Belichick kind of coming together here for a big moment in their season, I'm going New England. One, one more thing, too. New England's upcoming schedule is, um, I think they have Houston in there, uh, the Chargers, Three winnable games after this. So they're, they're really looking to get this one, and then they'll say beat up on some lesser teams. So, again, big stage for them. Got to get it done. Okay. It, we're, we're in agreement there. Another thing to it, just want to add to what you're saying. I mean, so he doesn't have a number one receiver. I mean, I think pretty sure Marquise Brown is the number first round pick, and Mark Andrews is one of the better receiving tight ends in all of football. So I, I don't. You I know. wasn't supporting it. I'm just telling you what the narrative is that's out there for some people. I, I understand. It's just it's kind of it's kind of weak to me, but yeah, whatever. Um, all right, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna get two out of the way real quick here. Okay. Um, I got a couple narratives I'm going after. A couple bits that we always we both like to use. It's uh it's cross country travel, um, and it's uh defense and running games traveling, or 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 potentially not traveling. So uh, look. <sighs> You got Buffalo. Okay, all right, good. I like this. I'm, this is on my board, too. Here we go. You, you got Buffalo going to Zona. Um, again, I, I think Buffalo is a, is a good team. I do think Allen's gotten a, a touch better, improved uh, from last year. And I think they're potentially a playoff team. But I think Arizona is, too. And they're just coming off kind of a tough loss where it didn't play poorly. They just kind of got outscored uh, to a kind of outplayed a Kyler. So, I think it's just a bounce back spot for uh, the, the in the desert for Arizona. And look, we all know defense and the running game travels, but Buffalo doesn't really do either that well. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, they're out. So uh, we're going to Arizona minus one and a half. And then also the Chargers going to the aforementioned Tua in Miami. And I just, I like what's going on there. I think they're already a pretty good team to begin with when Tua uh, or Fitz got benched. And Tua looked all of as advertised in that game last week. I mean, they had to get to, they had to really get to 30 or in the 30s to beat that, win that game. And he got him there. So uh, he looked great. I like it. I think they keep it going. And I think it's going to be, they have a chance to win like three or four in a row. And I think they do it. The Dolphins minus one and a half. Again, defense, running game travels, but Chargers don't do either very well. So they're out. Yeah. How about the Chargers from last week? What a, what a way to lose. <laughs> 
Those guys are yeah. they're the new Lions slash Falcons. I mean, they're they're in the mix. They just they just lose close games all the time. I mean, you almost and, miss and watching Philip. That's been the Charger DNA for years too. So yeah, weird. right. You almost miss watching Philip Rivers chucking it around down the score. Like at, you know, at, at six o'clock Eastern time or six thirty Eastern time, whatever it is, when those four o'clock games are ending. So uh, t- just tough break for the Chargers. Uh, all right, so Arizona's on my board too. Uh, I am with you on Arizona. Uh, you know, look, Buffalo looked great last week against Cincinnati, uh, or sorry, Seattle. And as you mentioned, the Seattle defense that stinks. Um, yeah, yeah, they, they give up. Um, more big plays of 20 yards or more than uh, 31 of the 32 NFL teams. So mm-hmm. they they're that and Buffalo takes advantage of that. On the flip side, Arizona's only given up 22 plays of 20 or more yards, which puts them in the top quartile. So Buffalo depends on that big play. They got it last week. They will not get it this week. Um, also, you mentioned the game last week with Arizona giving up a bunch of points and Tua looking good, which he did. Uh, that was the Arizona defense, which is missing a few starters uh, mm-hmm. due to COVID. So I think they're going to improve there a little bit. Uh, you look back at Kyler Murray's last four games, he, he's been great. Uh, they're averaging 34 points per game. Um, you know, he's got 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns over that span. And as you mentioned, that Bills D is, is not good. Um, they're giving up their completion percentage taking up 68% over seven and a half yards per attempt, which puts them 10 worse in the league in both of those. So, um, you know, a couple things coming together there where uh, Arizona's D's going to be much improved themselves from last week and a much improved defense that uh, Buffalo faced against Seattle. And then I think Murray uh, has proven over the last four that offense is, is grooving. So Arizona, Minus one and a half. We've got two agreements. That's scary. Yeah, no one goes in the desert on 4 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, this is the 2020 version of the desert because they lost (laughs) it last week. (laughs) 2020 version. Um, All right, you did too. Do you want me to? You want me to jump into another one here? Sure. I I, I, I probably I probably know where you're going. But go ahead. Okay, where am I going? (laughs) I well, I I think you might be headed to Carolina at some point. But no, I I am not. (laughs) Damn I am it. not. That one, oh, oh, it was in there. It was, it, 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 it modeled its way out. It modeled its way in and it modeled its way out. A couple of variables changed. Um, it did It did start getting typed in to the write-up today. Um, I'm going to Green Bay. Uh, this one's a pretty easy one for me. Jacksonville at Green Bay. Green Bay lane 13. Uh, Jacksonville's horrific. They, uh, in their last four games, have only kept one within, within double digits. Um, you know, since they beat the Colts, they've lost uh, seven straight, haven't held anybody under 27 points in that stretch, and with six of those uh, giving up 30 or more. Uh, you've got a Green Bay team that's coming in that is third in the league in scoring, averaging 31 points. Um, I just see AR-12, uh, you know, running it up, and they're coming off they're coming off a bye week, so they're they're in a good spot. Um, look, Jacksonville stinks. We we all know it. Um, so I'm going Green Bay minus the 13. Uh, Just good good team blowing out a bad team. Yeah, it's it's really it's really that simple. Um, right. That's that's all there is. I know a lot of people. Ah, oh, don't lay double digits. No, this is this is that bad. It, it's that big of a gap. Yeah, and they got uh, they got Aaron Jones. I think coming back as well. And is it? Is it Luton still starting for the Jags? I think so. Okay. Um, but I, I don't know for sure. Okay. Um, it doesn't matter. But it's just, yeah. I was, yeah, Luton. Jake Luton. All right. Um, okay. So are you through four? four. All right. Well, because you said I, I did this just for you because I, <laughs> I knew that. I was like, oh, it's going to be TB12 doesn't lose two games in a row. And I, I knew it was coming. <laughs> is that how and, I sound? Is that how I sound? <laughs> it's, it's exactly. You, you, you and everybody else is going to say it this week. And uh, and so I just put Panthers plus five and a half. It was just for you. And I was, I was, cause I was waiting for you to go, Tom Brady. And then just say, yep, that was it. That's my, that's my last pick. Well, I, I really hope you lose that one now. I really do. <laughs> I know. Um, I know. 
I will give you some credit because I, I lost a, a Bears game, I believe, uh, last week. They are. Uh, they, they, stink. Are who, they are who you thought they were. I never really thought they were that good. I just like to bust your chops. I also didn't think they were that bad, and and they are. I mean, that that offense is just well, awful. Yeah, and it's the old like. Look, it reminds me of like the the Michigan State teams of like the last couple of years, where the defense is pretty good, but after a while they're just like, "What do you want us to do? Shut everybody out?" Like, it's right. like and they just look over and they're like, by halfway through the season, they they did, hey, all hate each other and they give up. So that's it. Yeah. All right. Uh, so my last pick is a little like the uh, last one, more kind of like you said, good team, bad team. Cincinnati at Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh minus seven and a half. Uh, look, we've talked about a number of times. We're, we're Burrow guys. Uh, we, we want him to be successful. We think he will be. Uh, this is this is not a good matchup for him. Uh, I realize Big Ben isn't practicing right now. I think he's uh, on the sidelines. He doesn't have COVID, but he was in contact with somebody that's COVID. So as long as he continues to test negative, he'll, he'll play on Sunday. I fully expect him to do that. That's part of the pick here. But even if he doesn't, give me the, the adjusted line, Bob. I'm still taking Pittsburgh, uh, and, he, and here's why. Uh, the Steelers have arguably the best defense of line in the league. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I understand they struggled with Dallas last week. They basically took last week off. So Cincinnati had a bye. <laughs> I would say that Pittsburgh treated last week like a bye, and it, and it showed up that way. So, uh, you know, Steelers lead the league in receptions, sacks, hurries, and pressures. Uh, Burrow has taken 14 sacks in three divisional games already this year. So I think they're going to get to him. I think he's actually going to have a – a tough day. I think we'd all say most of the year he's looked pretty good. I think this might be a game where he looks uh, he looks pretty rough. Looks so, like a rookie quarterback. Yeah, might look like a rookie quarterback. And then if you look at you know points per game on both sides of the ball, uh, Pitt D is fourth in the league, uh, and then offense are fifth in the league in scoring. And I think Cincinnati is like you know, twenty to twenty-two in both of those. So yeah, just not a good matchup. Um, like you said, uh, good team versus bad team. Steelers don't 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 over don't overthink it, guys. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, no, I I, I I looked at that game for a little bit. Um, couldn't pull the trigger, but I would if I had to, it'd be Pittsburgh. I, Cincinnati, out outside of Burrow, and I think like maybe like Tyler Boyd, um, Joe Mixon. I don't even know if he's gonna play, but he's a pretty good player. Like, offensive line's a bit of a mess, and the defense of all the statistics there, it's bad. Uh, so it's just it's a it's still a pretty bad team around him. He's just that good, I think, where he keeps them pretty competitive so um yeah i, I get it uh all right you, you're fiber my fiber in i did have oh, sorry go ahead oh go ahead no you, you have another topic to talk about no i just i want to i want to get the teaser um of the week oh okay so um if i told you to get green bay down to three <laughs> i was gonna guess yeah gr- okay green, green bay down to three yep uh, you want to guess Pitts, the next Pitts, one pittsburgh is gonna be in that right well, I think it would be this. I think it would be New Orleans plus one, okay. and then either Pittsburgh or Baltimore down to, like, whatever, two plus two and a half or plus three. Is that I something think, you might be interested in? Oh, of course, Bob. I think the ball <laughs> – like, we talked about it. Obviously, we're, we're both on New England, so it's probably not good. But I think Baltimore is the loser in that group, I do. I, I think there's – I think that if this one's going to go down, it's going to be it's going to be them. Yep. Okay, I just want to know who's, who's going to ruin it. Um, okay, we almost got – was it a few weeks ago – we did it, and we said the Eagles against the boys. And I I had the – I don't know if you, if you would watch this game, but that should have been uh, Dallas possibly winning that game, but definitely covering. And I don't know if you saw the last play where basically Dallas was going in. They were in the red zone, and they ended up sacking, you know, Bob DiNucci, wherever his name is. And he – he but he, fought, he fumbled, and they picked it up and took it to the house like 80 yards. Um – no, no review, and it was very clear. Like he could have easily been down. No mm. review. Al Michaels and Chris were like, "I guess we're not reviewing this one." They review everything. And I was like, wow. especially scoring plays, and I was like, "This has like Ace Rothstein and Nikki Santora on this right now. Something Ooh, is going on. Something and is going on." And, and then I, I, too. and I was on the wrong end of it. And I was like, "This is bullshit." But anyway, uh, yeah. Um, but okay. Uh, so that was your. What's right? Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, just was wondering if you want to talk about Mel Tucker at all. <laughs> I mean, you, do, do you 
Say yeah, it. Say, yeah say you it. say it. What am I saying? What am I saying? So for the listeners that don't know, we have a, little, a lot of back and forth with Mel Tucker. And for those of you that have watched Bloodsport, there's the moment at the end where uh, John Paul Van Damme tells him to say it. Say it. <laughs> and so Bob keeps sending me that gift, although he stole that from me, uh, <laughs> to say something about Mel Tucker. I don't, I don't know what it is. Say sorry. So, for, uh, what am I apologizing for? You tried to go after the guy's job after That's one not week. true. That's false. That's I false. have a text message to prove it. Don't that's you make fa- me. That's, you'll, you'll parse it out is what you'll do and put together <laughs> a narrative because that's what you do. Um, anyway, I said it was unacceptable in week one. That's what I said. And I said if that continues throughout the season, oh. uh, you know, we need to talk about it in more depth. And then he went out and beat the shit out of what appears to be a disastrous Michigan football team. I mean, <laughs> what a joke! Well, see, and here's the po- here's the here's the point. Here's the point. Michigan State still sucks. And they right. they Mich- Michigan. The real story is Michigan sucks too. I mean, oh my god. Who we get? State dominated that game. I know the score oh, there- was close. It was it was complete domination of Michigan. And ex- and another way to expose Don Brown. <laughs> oh God, I I don't I don't want to hear his name ever. Again. Don Brown. It's, it's so it's it's the most. <laughs> It's the most uh, insulting thing in the world when they go the Don Brown defense. Get out of here. Uh, Something Rocky Lombardi too. I, mean, you know, I can't even. I can't even do it. Uh, I couldn't even complete a pass against Iowa. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. All, all of it. It's like, uh, uh, but yeah. But the oh, point so is good. that they're a bad. They're a bad team. Uh, and that that was the point I was trying to make. Is like it doesn't matter who comes and coaches this place right now. This is going to take. Years, uh, multiple years. Yeah, that's to get this fine, but there are certain near. standards that you need to be accountable for on day one, and you need to meet those. Okay, okay, okay. Say you've it. become you've become a soft <laughs> loser. <laughs> okay, we gotta go. Oh my! All God. right, hey, enjoy the Masters. Uh, I'm sure we will exchange some text messages later this evening. Uh, all right, we'll see you later. Okay, that is a wrap on this milestone, epic, 50th episode of my podcast life. I hope you enjoyed it. I just want to say thank you for listening and good luck to everyone out there and whatever you're doing this weekend. Masters, football, online poker, I don't know. Just uh, let's enjoy anything we can, not take anything for granted. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 